some days I feel like I got a grip on it and it's going well. You know, other days it's like, what am I doing? But um, churches there, I played strip bars. Well, I just thought I'd give stand-up comedy a shot. Um, you know, with with stunts and nudity and crazy stuff. You know, and you know, take one, take two, take. You can say mass anywhere. You can have a comedy show anywhere. They're never gonna like you the way you think they should. But it's such an Iowa thing to be humble. Welcome to another installment of In the Springs, episode number 79. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. If you are taking the time to listen to my silly little podcast project, my sincere thanks to you. This episode features a fine young stand-up comedian out of my mom's home state of Iowa, the very funny Tom Garland. This episode was recorded at the legendary Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. I had a great time talking with Tom, so without further ado, sit back and enjoy... Because stand-up comedian Tom Garland is in the Springs. All right. Tom Garland, we're doing this. Hey, hey, man. I appreciate you having me. This is cool, dude. My pleasure, man. All right, so uh, now you and I almost connected, what was it, like six, six, eight months ago? Something yeah, like I almost got to come out with Tom Green. That would have been really cool, dude. I, were you here for that, then? No, I wasn't here for the show. Oh, I tried okay, to meet Tom. up with Tom, and it uh, never... Tom is hysterical, man. You would have really had a good time with him. He's a really funny dude, and we work together out in uh, in Las Vegas. So, he's yeah, he's super cool. Um, but yeah, it just didn't work out with the contracts and, and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I'm back now. I've been out here once before with, uh, with Bill Blank. Um, from Spike TV, so I, I, I'm happy to be back, man. I love this club. Colorado Springs is a fun town. Nice. Now, Bill is an Iowa guy too, right? Yeah, yeah. Bill just lives in. That's very good that you know that. But yeah, Bill uh, just lives in uh, Des Moines, and so I live in Cedar Rapids. Okay. So we travel together all the time. I mean, we're like two hours apart, so it just makes sense. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's kind of start at the start. You're you're a young guy, mm-hmm. and you've been doing this for how long? Um, it's coming up on in February. It'll be six years. So. <laughs> it should have happened by now. <laughs> you know I mean? you it's like I say that, about that. No, I say that out loud, and I'm like, I don't know if that's good or, or if that's bad. I, you know, I don't know. Some days I feel like I got a grip on it, and it's going well. You know, other days it's like, what am I doing? But, um, but you know, I'm doing it professionally, which is cool. I never saw myself getting this far. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's been fun. So now, how did you get your start in in Iowa? Because I would imagine that's a pretty small comedy scene out there. Yeah, there like there wasn't a comedy scene really, and I mean, I know that sounds strange, but there was like there was like one open mic at like we had like a weekend. The club was like open on the weekends in a hotel, and they had like one open mic a month. And then they closed down, but it was like just enough that me and a couple buddies had started doing stand up at their mic, and we had gotten addicted. You know what I mean? We had gotten the vampire bite, and so I was just like, when they stopped doing that, I was like, well, I, I have to get on stage somewhere, you know. So me and a, a couple friends at the University of Iowa, we started a few open mics, and uh, one of them's still going, um, and which is pretty cool. And uh, but yeah, we, we kind of got to the point where you could get on stage a lot uh, in Iowa. Um, but we we got you know resourceful. We started hitting everything. We played you know binge drinking nightclubs. We play. I played churches there. I played strip bars. You know, like just a- anything that has a stage and a microphone. <laughs> I like the juxtaposition between churches and strip clubs. I've played, dude. I wish I was making that up. I've played um, two of each in the last year. Still, 
So, I mean, that's just part of, you know, you're going to get, you hear these guys, they'll tell you they play weird corporate gigs or non-conventionals and then they'll, you know, they'll turn around and, and play some uh, crazy biker bars. So there's always those swings, but in Iowa, it was really evident. There was just, there was never any normal, you yeah. know, it was always strange. So I cut my teeth um, and me and my friends did in some really, really rough, strange environments. But I, I, it's helped me, you know, I wouldn't, looking back, um, I see how guys can move into a city and do like the city system of, of stand-up through the, excuse me, my phone, that's terrible. No, no, um, my, You know, I, the, the city's system of stand-up where, you know, two or three minutes at a time, you, you, um, you polish your act. You know, for us, it was more like, you know, here we are at some Coyote Ugly Bar, stepping over drinks on top of the bar, trying to tell jokes. One <laughs> guy spit at us and throw ice cubes. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just a difference of approach. Um, but, but yeah, it worked out. You know? now, now, going back to getting started, were you a fan of com- uh, stand-up comedy, or what was the pull for you to try yeah. to give that a shot for the first time? Yeah, I had, you know, I had some friends. To, you know, I think everybody has the same beginning story where it's like, well, I just thought I'd give stand-up comedy a shot. Like nobody knows anything about it when they get it. It's to, I, I always say to guys i'm like it's not what you thought it was is it and most guys are like no but i still love it you know i still enjoy it yeah but it's definitely it's not what i thought it was um but i'm i'm addicted to it and i love it you know so i'm i'm happy i'm doing it but yeah like when i first started i guess um I'd, i watched a lot of comedy i'd seen i'd gone out and seen live guys i'd seen like some road comics and then i'd seen some some like you know major theater headliners you know just i'd seen like ralphie may and some guy you know i saw cosby actually when he was um you know uh, still well recepted <laughs> you know and uh, i don't I, remember I any heard. of it but i was there you know? I, was, I hadn't heard what's going on with cosby I'd, i don't know man i mean I was, that's 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 to talk to him about but yeah I'd, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pull out his books. Let's, are you bu- are you booking? I'm sure he's got some available he's got dates. Some open dates. Yeah, 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 I'm sure he'd take anything. Well, now going from doing kind of unconventional shows, like you uh, said, you know, strip clubs, churches, yep. whatever that was, to doing, yeah. you know, quote unquote comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. What was the advantage or disadvantage or differences, or what did you notice when you kind of made that transition into more of a club? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, I still switch back and forth between um, club comic and crazy comic. Because I I do some um, right now I've been touring with Preston Lacey, um, the you know from MTV's Jackass right right and um, and I do you know I do his tour managing but I also open for him and that you know that's a wild show and I was on Bam Margera's tour at one point and that's a wild show that's a heavy metal rock show um, you know with with stunts and nudity and crazy stuff you know and uh, Preston's thing involved tasers I mean it's just. Uh, and all that's real and live. And then you switch to like, I, I think sometimes I come into a, a nice comedy club, like I'll come into an A room and I'll, I'll be kind of up in the audience's face. I'll be kind of yelly and screaming and bouncing around. And they're kind of like, calm down, dude. We're here for the jokes. You know what I mean? Like right. we're here. So that is kind of weird. But um, yeah, I've been back the last three, me and Preston did like this nationwide thing. Um for like 40, 40 some nights. And so that kind of got me in one mode, but then the last three or four weeks I've been touring on my own again. So that's good to go, you know, you know, to get that balance. Like I said, the church, and then you're at the strip club, you know, so you, it makes, you know, and that's why we travel, you know, to make the material uh, middle of the road, yeah. right? To make it appealing to, to everybody. And some guys, that's not what they're out there to do. Me, I think that is. I, I want it to, you know, to appeal to a mass audience and, and all that, so. I guess going back because I never answered your other thing because I'm I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to be I used to work in broadcast, so I was um, I was doing some news reporting and some sports reporting um, for an ABC affiliate, and 
and I felt like them, and then I, I had um, this, I, I worked for the college newspaper at the time, too, and I felt like they weren't maybe letting me write what I wanted to write, which isn't like, it's not like they were censoring me or, or holding back a good story, but just that, you know, you're just the new guy on the totem pole, right? And so I wanted to write, like, funny, crazy opinions and stuff, and, and they just thought that was out there. And so I thought, well, if I can go down to the comedy club, and one of my articles I write, if I just read it at the open mic and it's funny and it gets laughs and I film it and I come show it to my editor, then they have to print it. You know what I mean? Or then, yeah. they, then the guy at least has to acknowledge that, you know, that what I'm writing is somewhat legitimate because I wanted to write like humor columns and stuff like that. And well, yeah, I read a story niche, yeah. on your uh, on your website. I think it was your high school paper. You had yeah, written. yeah, I got in trouble. That's funny, man. Yeah, you did your research, dude. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. When I was I, I was like 17. Um, I wrote for our high school newspaper and you know, nobody reads it. You can either just do whatever you want. And so like I would like I would just write like these funny goofy articles every week and they would just give you like a really vague assignment. And so my assignment that week was school pride. So I wrote like a one liner about every other school in town saying that they sucked. You know what I mean? I was like <laughs> making fun of the hillbilly school and saying like they take Bailey Hay 101 and. Uh, there's like a, a school for like kids that get pregnant and I was like I wrote I wrote a joke about all of them except for them like give those kids a break you know just like, just and it was all like really innocent and clean kind of uh, almost like I'm not even ashamed to say it hacky jokes that everybody in town that knows these schools you know that I mean, real just regional local real regional local yeah. stuff that you know if you lived in town you you giggle at it but people got mad because we send we used to exchange like oh, we would get the other high school's newspaper and they would get ours and so the other kids at the other school read it and that facebook had just come out so they like it came out when i was in uh when i was like a sophomore and junior in high school and so like you know where you could get the high school one and it got you know it got big and uh and so they could just type my name in and they had my face and whatever and so like i was going people wanted to beat my ass and and they were calling me and leaving me messages and uh and then the the newspaper got a hold of me and they wanted to write a story about it and they were like do you feel sorry i was like i don't give, i don't care what i wrote like you know what i mean i wouldn't take any of that back and um and they printed that in the paper and just the reaction from people the way a couple of my teachers acted to me after that um it fired me up you know what i mean yeah. it's good to have that every like comedy is just one of those business i feel like if a door's not getting slammed in your face i'm not getting motivated you know like there's got to be some sometimes there's got to be some like hey you suck we don't like what you're doing the door slams for you to be like no you know what okay uh, that one closed i'm building a door over here you know and yeah. that, that's been kind of the story of my career is i've had to diy and, and do a lot of it myself because I've, I've taken an unconventional approach but you know that's just the way it's worked out, especially now, you, where I'm from. Do you think, like, from like writing the article in the in the high school paper uh -huh. and then doing journalism, that your sensibility was focused more on the writing of comedy as opposed to performing it, or how did you make that transition yeah, from uh, writing know, humorous columns to actually getting on stage? And well, I was in broadcast too, so like I was, um, so like I was helping with our TV news station, and that's kind of how I got hired at the the ABC affiliate. So like, I, every night I would do. You know, I it started that I was just a camera guy down there, and then you kind of learn the stuff. But it got to the point where every night I would just do different stuff. That I, I was pretty much running the the student station, and so one night I'd do the weather, the next night I'd be the news guy, then I'd do the sport. You know, I'd rotate with the other people on the staff. But um, but you know, I, I got to the point where I could do all of it, and so I I would do all of it, or I I direct the show where I'd be the one behind the switchboard, being like, you know, take one, take two, take. And I think that may, that starts to make you self aware, so that when you're on stage, or, or you know, I. I 
I kind of had a basic understanding of what stage presence is and how to go up there and command attention. You know, not necessarily funny. I, I did get booed <laughs> but at off least stage quite a bit when I started. <laughs> yeah, but at least right. At least I know how to capture the. I knew how to capture the attention of the room. Yeah. You know, so. So were you actually having you know set up punch kind of jokes or what was the the yeah, you know, how would you I, describe your when style? When I first started, I thought you know like a lot of people, I thought, oh, I'm going to be edgy. And I'll curse and I'll be loud and I'll do all this stuff. and uh, and the act really hasn't changed and it's worked. <laughs> now. Like, no, um, you know, yeah, I just you know I had like hacky punchlines and you think you're original too. You know, you think like and then later on you 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 go out and you you see other guys and you're like oh that guy does the same thing as me but he's better at it. Dang, you know what I mean? Like and uh, but no, I've I've toured with some different guys where it, it really. So I think started to wash my act clean of all those bad habits that you you start with. But I've I've also like made it an made an effort to go with different types of guys. So like I've toured with the Jackass guys. I've toured with another guy named Don Zilla who's like extremely X rate R rated comedy. But then I've gone and done clean shows too. Like I went and did a clean college uh, run of like twelve shows with this guy named Eric O'Shea, and Eric doesn't curse at all during his show. And, you know, it's an out. You you've been around these guys, you know, and uh, and so that was a that was a test. Colleges were a test, you know. Um, you mentioned Bill Blank or, or whatever. Bill just plays such a wide variety of of play. we played here together, but we've also played um, we played a really stiff um, place on North Carolina. We were the I mean we were the only people under like seventy nine that were in the place, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I've also played bars with him all all over the country, so. You know, it, it all kind of evens out in the end and, um, you know, kind of makes your, your act kind of hover towards the middle, which is nice. Now, I know, you know, every show potentially is going to be a different dynamic, different crowd mm -hmm. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But with uh, the background you have in, in, you know, really different venues and really different uh -huh. acts, do you, do you have kind of a favorite, something that you, like if you got stuck doing one particular I want to do a variety show a la BAM, or I want to do clean college stuff a la O'Shea, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. What would be your preference? Uh, you know, I mean, I want to be in the comedy club. You know, I think everybody does at the end of the day. I mean, I want to be where they, people know, like, hey, I'm coming to a stand-up comedy show, yeah. and I'm going to see a comedian. Um, but, you know, I, I've been to unconventional rooms and rock bars where they do it just as well as any other club. So it's like, if, if wherever, you know... Um, I watched, I went to Catholic school when I was a little kid, and they show this video of this guy that's like a missionary, and he's down in Mexico or something like that, and he's a priest, and uh, he says mass out of the back of his car. And one, it's the community there, and it's just so poor, and they don't have a church. And so he opens up the trunk of his car, and he's got the lady of Guadalupe and whatever, and everybody just gathers around and sits on the ground while he says mass out of the back of his car. And people do comedy like that, you know what I mean? Right. If you go to if you go to Los Angeles, there's guys like literally in parking lots, like running open mics and stuff. So you, what I'm trying to, you can say mass anywhere, you can have a comedy show anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm any any place that's gonna pay me to tell jokes, man. I'm there. Um, I'm there twice, you know. But uh, but yeah, obviously I want to be you know near the uh, where the action's at, near where the comedy's at. You know, where the top talent's at, too, is such a thing. You know, you see some of these rooms, and they, they 
anyone can start calling themselves a comedy club if you run you see a lot of this now with festivals you see oh we're a comedy festival well you guys booked a weekend you know what i mean yeah, i don't yeah. know if that's necessarily a fest you know or, or we're, we're, we're a comedy this is a club pay your due you're like all right you guys are a, you guys are a bowling alley with a comedy night with the microphone in the corner yeah, the, yeah. yeah i don't know if you guys are a comedy but whatever you know but but like a place like here like loonies where they bring in like really good you know like they're bringing in tom green and these dudes like that like these are the places you know i play in chicago at like zany's and laugh factory and play that's what you want to like throw down because then the guys are all good that you're you're performing with you yeah. know so it you you see them do something new and edgy and so you're like oh i'm gonna crank the knob too I, I i here's my new crazy thing you know yeah yeah well you've also you know you had mentioned you were doing some tour management with yeah. uh, with mm -hmm. preston and then you produce i think you still produce the catacombs of comedy yep yep and uh working on that right now i actually got some guys taking over that in uh in iowa city which is good that's kind of like a glorified open mic showcase thing that i've just run for years and it's just been so so much fun that it's hard to um you know, I don't really make money off of it, but it's just been such a fun project that it's like getting the comedy scene started there and whatever. Yeah. It's, it's been something I'm passionate about. And the guys that run that place, um, this Scott Cading and, and Pete McCarthy are just like the two sweetest dudes in the world. And they, they've helped me out a ton. So, um, so yeah, nothing but nice things to say about that place, but I'm kind of in the process of, of moving away from it. Um, but yeah, I, I produce um, Preston Lacey's tours and, uh, you know, and, and do... Uh, you know majority of the booking for him and do a lot of his his press and and other stuff like that um which is cool you know like it's definitely not what i um saw myself doing when i first started but you know it's filling work and it it's keeping me busy i just get so bored during the day I'm not you know just sitting around you know it's just so much waiting comedy's all just waiting right, just, right. you wait to get on stage waiting to hear back from the audition you know what i mean you're waiting to fill your calendar you're in the car you got you know i drove 13 hours so i just more or less just wait to be here yeah you know the whole time so it's a um you know the thing with preston has opened up a door where um and we met through tom green actually which is kind of to bring that full circle but uh but yeah it's it's been kind of a great opportunity for me to be like oh okay say at the end of the day the jokes don't work out and I've left my job and I've done, you know, I've risked all this stuff. At least here's a little thing in the entertainment business that I might be able to fall back on um, where I can still always be involved no matter what, you know, if I get old or broke or, or whatever happens, you know, right. kids or something. Or know. like you said, in addition to, you yeah. know, like you said, there's a lot right, of potential right. downtime. Like, and yeah. And it's like, you know, right now I'm able to do it and manage it on my own. I'm trying to pick up some other guys right now. I can't really drop names um, um, just yet, but I'm, I'm trying to open my own little agency but I just had an offer from a, a regular agency to come work for them and sell for them. So, you know, I'm, I grew up in a sales family. My dad's a salesman. He's a damn good one too. And, uh, and so, you know, I've always been around that, the kind of that learn to sell mentality, yeah. which really helps in comedy. Cause it's all about, you, you know, we're selling our jokes up there. You know, you're selling your act, you know, if no, if loonies doesn't buy the act, you know, Tom Garland comedy only goes so far. Right. You know? Right. So, now, has your family been supportive of this career move? Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's always been um, a thing with my family where, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, my dad has his, had his business and stuff like that. So there was always just this focus on, like, you know, you, you need to be able to provide for yourself. You need to be able to take care of yourself. Um, you know, come, come when you're 18 and all that sort of stuff, just like any household. So I think the 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 holdup has never been like my parents are like oh we don't like what you do or or it's always just been like well as long as you can support yourself right, and make right. money and there's a weird transition there between i gotta quit my job 
and between um you know the comedy's really paying the bills so i was you know like sleeping in my car some nights and you know sleep i, I still sleep on a lot of couches and and you know um you know eat just garbage and and go through you know go through odd jobs like crazy and, and girlfriends and stuff and so i think they start to see you living that lifestyle yeah and they're like is that is that what you want to do you know is that healthy for you but you know i think a big moment for my parents was being able to come out and see me perform in las vegas you know, on the strip at the Riviera, that that was a cool moment. You know, I, I, my parents have gotten to see me do some cool stuff, and they've been there for it, which is I got to give them credit. You know, they don't they don't owe me anything and don't have to be out for stuff like that. My brothers come out to a lot of stuff too. I got a little brother, um, he's a little, he's like twenty four, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I have, a younger, I have a younger brother, yeah. right? And so he's him. He, he comes out to stuff. My friends still come out. I got friends this weekend coming, you know, from college and high school in my hometown, and so, so everybody's been really supportive. Um, it's always just the thing. I think people are like, you know, when, you, and I ask myself, you know, when is enough is enough to it's at some point it's like, what do you want out of it? Right. You know, I, I joke around, but it's the truth. You know, I've played, I've played Elks Lodges in front of six people with the TVs on. I've played sold out shows on the Vegas strip and, and party to the sun came up with movie stars. You right. Know what I mean, it's, and then, so it's like at some point, you know, you start to be like, uh, you, all the other things again like it's not what you thought it was all the stuff that you got into it for some of that stuff starts to drop by the wayside along with your you know hack jokes and whatever you're losing you start to lose too like all this connection to you know uh, to me more or less now it's it's becoming more than ever about the jokes about making people laugh because at the end of the day it's got to be enough yeah you know you, you're not everybody's going to be amy schumer or whatever you think you're going to be you know and you're never going to be what you think they're never going to like you the way you think they should yeah. you know they're like well they should have got that, that joke smarter that club's that club's out of their mind they should be worth you know and a big thing nobody owes you anything you know and the crowds don't owe you you owe you shit either and so it's just at the end of the day, like I'm just I'm so happy to just be traveling. You know, I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah. It's just I get to see the at the end of the day, like, you know, if if it all fizzles out and I just become another headshot on the wall, um, you know, I, I got to see the country. I got to make some people laugh, and um, you know, I, I stuck with it. So well, and I think a misconception with stand-up comedy and, and maybe even just the entertainment business in general is kind of the work ethic. Because you're right going to on. be on stage tonight for a half hour, 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, so it looks like a slacker like, thing well, to shit, do. The guy yeah. just works for an hour a night. Yeah, but I drove 13 hours in. Right. And so I think <laughs> and I've got a, a, a soft place in my heart for Iowa. My mom's from Iowa. Oh, cool, man. And Where? I, she's from a, a small town called Atlantic, Iowa. I know Atlantic, there Iowa. That's so cool, she, dude. She grew yeah. up in Atlantic. That's great. And so I always that is sort a small of town. romanticize the work ethic of the Midwest. And like you said, you know, in your household, it was, hey, you're you're going to have to make your way and figure out how to do that. And I think you would be surprised to see. Uh, actually, not to cut you off, but that's caused me a lot of problems back home because this job kind of causes you to be flashy and, you know, they, they want you to promote and stuff like that. But it's such an Iowa thing to be humble. Right. You know, and not, not so, you know, like you work the field and then you just leave it. And that's, <laughs> right. you know, and then no one now, needs to that, know it was you, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Is that you know, hard for you to, because I think a lot of uh, comedians struggle with sort of the business side of it. Yeah. It's just like, nobody likes sitting around saying, look at me, look at me, look <laughs> right. at me. You know what I mean? That's not a natural thing. Yeah. And then see, and then the hard part is to, for me, the hardest thing is when, you know, when you do start to get the attention, you do start to get the press. Sometimes it feels gross that there's not a whole lot of people to share it with. I'd like, 
you know what I mean? I don't have a, a chick or, or kids or whatever, you know, so I, I can always be like, oh, yeah, this is fun to share with my parents or share with whoever, but, um, you know, my close comedian friends. But really, at the end of the day, it's just you. So you're like, yes, my act is great, and I will go home and enjoy this with myself. You know, it's right. just like, it's such a weird quote to have in the paper. Yeah. When, like, normally, you know, if you're an athlete, you want to talk about everybody but you. But it's just such an individual thing where, right. it's, you know, but but there's a lot of people, you know, I have to th thank and that, you know, have helped me out and, and stuff, too. So, well, and this sounds like a loaded question, but again, my love for Iowa man, is real, you, man. Um, but why are you still in Iowa? Um, money is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I made the decision at one point, like you have to decide, like some of my, fr okay, so we start the comedy scene in Iowa, me and these two, two three other guys. Um, one of them moved to New York. And two of them moved to Chicago, and they don't to even pursue do, comedy. To pursue comedy, okay. and we'd only all been doing comedy like a year, and that is like a rude, rude awakening to go into a city like that, where just the city just has no like it does not care about you at all. And the the comedy clubs and what I'm not trying to say that they're they have a vendetta or they're doing anything wrong, but they, they there's just nobody cares. You know what I mean? No right. one's gonna no one's gonna hold your hand, and and you know whereas like you know. A place like Iowa, you know, if you're in Atlantic, Iowa, and they have an open mic night, it's probably pretty friendly, you know? Yeah. Um, if, if, you know, you go to the, op you know, they're like, hey, what's your name? Let's sign you up. If you go to the open mic in Chicago, they're like, get in line, and who the hell are you? You know, it's just, it's just, a, there's a little bit of an attitude there. Yeah. A little bit of shift in that, and it's going to take some time. It's going to take, like, now I'm getting work in Chicago, but I've been driving in and out of there more or less every two weeks and sleeping on a couch for six years. You know, so now, now I'm finally getting some $50 feature spots, right. you know what I mean, sometimes. But it's it's tough, dude. Like, it's, yeah. Um, now, did you have mentors that kind of shared that with you? Because I've yeah, heard that you same know, I sentiment. had this dude, this Don, Don Zilla guy that I've talked to, and, and Bill Blank, where they, they've done it out of Iowa. And I, I've met other guys. Like, there's this dude named Mike Merrifield. And sure. um, Mike, I don't know too well, but I've kicked it with Mike a couple times. And he lives in Appleton, Wisconsin. And he does it all from there. He plays, like, MGM Grand. He plays it like the you know atlantis and the bahamas and he lives in you know in appleton with his kids so I, I think there's a big that's a cool appeal to me is that like look i can do this from home this is the the age of the internet you know what i mean i don't need to necessarily i need to, what i need to do is build a good solid act instead of worrying about you know being in there's so many guys dude i call them address comics where they use their address as a credit you know what I mean? Like, I'm right, a Chicago right. comedian. I'm a New York comedian. Okay, well, if I change my address, does that make me funnier? <laughs> right. You know, like, I've had guys tell me, like, oh, you're from Iowa? W what's that like? You know, what are the... It's the same jokes out there, bro. Like, <laughs> right. the same people laugh, you know? Like, you better watch the stage while I'm up there, because yeah. I, don't, I don't look like an Iowa comic when well, I'm Well, and like there, you, you know? said, with the internet and, and everybody yeah. being connected, yeah, that's all. the world is so fucking small. <laughs> it blew my mind when I started traveling the road, because, like, you go someplace else, and you're like, oh, they have that song here, too. <laughs> You know, like you kind of just like do that. Like, I can't believe that you guys listen to this. And it's like, yeah, bro, we all have the same internet. Right. You know, we all, it hit here, you know, Gangnam style. Yeah, we all do this or, you know, the whole world's on it. Right. You know, so it's, that that's cool. That's making things, it's making things tough, but that's making the internet, you know, it's making things very uh, middle road and accessible. A lot of DIY type stuff. It obviously makes a tour like what me and Preston did where, you know, you just got a kid like me producing it, you know, it makes stuff like that possible. Um, but I guess to answer your question, the reason I've stayed in Iowa is because my apartment rents for like $250 a month. So by the time I go play some 
um, some small town gigs or or someplace like this, you know, like the strip club or something like that, where the the cash is there. You know, I'm get like I pick up five hundred dollars one time. Okay, then like okay, my bills are paid. Right. Good. Now I can go out on the road. You know, now I can go and then like I like it because I come home and everything's cheap and it's my hometown. Yeah. You know, so like I see bartenders I know. You know, I see people I know and you know you kind of get the hookup on everything. Every it's Iowa's just so everything's just so dirt cheap. It's so hard to move away for that reason. You know. Well, now, Whereas I come I come anywhere and it's just like the price of everything goes up just a little bit. Like my buddy in Chicago, man, they pay like, you know, they pay over a thousand bucks a month to live there. And it's just as a comedian, I just I can't justify it. Right. So I'm I'm in I'm going to move very soon. I've got my eye on like two or three cities, and I'm trying to cut a deal with some just some you know. Obviously, I want to show up and and have it be you know as smooth as the transition can be. Right. But it's gonna be rocky. You know, I'm gonna spend a year in um, a year back down the rabbit hole where I have to whatever scene I go to, they're gonna yeah. make me you know grind out and pay my dues, which is I'm totally you know ready to do. But it's an overwhelming feeling to go from you know making a although a barely 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 but making a full time living doing comedy. To then back to like, yo, no, you're not going to get paid again. You're going to have to, you know, go get two or three, you know, more or less probably degrading oddball jobs right. during the day and then do this at night. You know what well, I mean? And like you said earlier, I think, you know, stand-up comedy is unique. As, and, and again, maybe a lot of other genres of entertainment. But there's no template. There's no right, manual. You just do, yeah, you just got to do it. Right. So whatever decisions you make, you have to live with the consequences. And yeah, then move, and there's move a lot forward. of truth in that. You know, a lot of guys will say, why am I doing this right now in my career? You know, I do, I'm, I've made the wrong choices plenty of times. Like, you know, especially for starting out. You tell guy, you tell people to go to hell. You think you're never going to see again. You know what I mean? You 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 run the time at rooms. You do stupid stuff. You, you think, like, the things aren't going to come back. And it all comes back. <laughs> right. You see all these people again. Yeah. Right now, I've got guys doing it to me where I run some rooms and whatever and they're go, you go to hell or whatever. okay okay i'll see you again right. you know what i mean like you know and so uh, it's just one of those things that you all you know a couple couple months go by and it's like it, you know it, like okay these guys the thing with tom green right it didn't work out you know i got two choices you can say okay cool and you can come back later and work again or you can say oh you go to hell you got me all excited you know, it's like, right, what the, right. what's the point of that you know so um so yeah you start to see a lot of a lot of stuff like that you know and notice that there's no there's no one path um, necessarily, and um, and you meet a lot of guys that you're going to meet way more people that have done it, gone out there, gone to gone to great lengths, made it, and then failed. You know, so I've m m the best teachers are these guys that I've talked to and gotten to hang out with, where it's like, hey, it didn't work out, and here's why. Yeah, you know, so it's more like I like to look at like what to avoid more than you know what to throw my hat into. But yeah, it's gambling, man. At some point, you're really gambling. You're t saying there's no pay ceiling to this right. so uh, there's the chance that i could be jerry seinfeld and make billions of dollars or there's the chance that i could like, live out of my car and and eat out of the garbage and so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna roll these dice and you hope you fall somewhere in between you know just for your own good but again man i i you know i made a very conscious decision i could have had a normal job my parents have a nice company i could have worked at um you know i could have lived in my hometown i i had a you know a couple chances maybe even to get married and settle down and it's just been a thing where you know i made a very conscious decision this is what i wanted to do with my life for better or for worse just like you know we mentioned the, the priest dude or whatever you kind of got to be like i'm gonna go say mass tonight wherever the hell ever for whatever they're gonna pay me and uh, and that's just kind of that yeah you know? yeah 
Well, Tom Garland, man, it was Dude, a pleasure. Dude, thanks so meeting much you. for having My me, man. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. Go Hawks, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're that's, that's go, a whole other podcast. We're going right to go into Atlantic, Iowa, man, in rage the Hell next yeah. time you're home. Yeah, Hell we're yeah. going to be. I'm going to puke in your mom's basement or some shit. We're going <laughs> to do it, big dude. Thank you so much for having me on. I love you, man. My pleasure, man. All thanks. Right, cool. Tom. Thanks. So there you have it, stand-up comedian Tom Garland. My thanks to Tom for being on the show, and I'll look forward to catching up with him again soon. Thank you to Eric and the fine folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. You can find the In the Springs podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore Metajunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs.